0: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. You know, there are some times I can get up and share and... uh, I don't feel the weight, I guess. But this morning I just feel a weight again, and I appreciate and it when I can feel it. The seriousness of teaching the precious Word of God. I mean, it is serious. It's not a playing church. And especially as I was thinking on the gift of time. Just the last month, I was reminiscing over the past year. And so many times, we really don't think about time. Time. And it, you know, through this season, we remember the precious gift of Jesus Christ, God's gift to us. He brought salvation only through him. It's not how good we were, how good we are. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done. God holds the hourglass of time. Ephesians, with this uh, salvation that he brought, being a gift, I want to bring a little bit of that out, but I I don't want to lose the focus on the gift of time. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works lest anyone should boast. It's not how good we are, how good we've been, or how good we will be. It's a gift. So, do we just do nothing then? It's a gift, so it's just, praise the Lord, and we just keep on living how we've been living. But what's really important is how we live the gift of time, is how valuable salvation really is to us. That gift of salvation is really of no value to us if we don't live our life for him. How are we living out that salvation? That's the key of have we really accepted that gift? It will change you. Our whole being, our whole thoughts change. And this gift of time, I don't know why I was so blind. I never really saw it as a gift. It was just time. God had just made time, and there it was. But, you know, we don't know if we'll see the next day, if we see the next hour, if we see the next minute, or even the, the next second. We don't know. When God says it's enough, it's enough for me. When my last breath is taken, I have no control over that. It's gone. That gift is taken away. What's done is done. It's final. That's how, that's why, for me, I just see a seriousness in the end of the year, looking over the past year, the sadness at maybe sometimes how I've wasted some of the time. Because only what we do for the kingdom of God is really what counts. Only that. But we lose our focus. Why? Why do we lose our focus? Those were the thoughts God has been pressing on my heart as I was reminiscing my life. So I want to share some of these. And it was more than what I can even bring into a message. I guess that's why it's so... a weight on me is because I can't say everything that I want to say. When we go to work, what do we go for? Where's our focus? Is it, you know, we need money to live. We should be good stewards of it. But where's our focus? Is that our focus when we go to work to see how much we can make? How quickly or how we can walk up that ladder and see if we can't just make more and just make more and just make more? Or are we going focused on the kingdom of God and seeing it in the perspective of what he sees and what he wants, what he desires for me to do that day. Are we looking for an opportunity that we can help someone or bless someone? Are we looking for those sad faces? Are we looking for those who are also rejoicing so we can rejoice with them? Or are we so taken in our work, we don't even have time for the person next to us? We don't even see, maybe, their need of a word of cheer. Or even just a happy good morning can speak volumes to a person who's feeling lonely. I could... I'll tell you a story on that of a coworker who thought he was just alone. Never said good morning, really, to anyone. And this is not tooting my horn, I just, I don't know why, I just, I think it was a spirit led me to this guy, and just, good morning. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Steve. Now when I walk through there, And I don't say, good morning, then I'll say, hey, Laverne. Oh, yeah, good morning. Um, We can make a difference if we just see it. Are we leading others to safety? into the fold of Jesus Christ? Are we leading them to the good shepherd? You know, there was this man who was not a believer, but his wife was. And she tried to tell him in the Christmas time where God sent his son to save us. And he just couldn't believe that. And he couldn't see why God would do something like that. And then one one day there was this winter storm coming in, and he saw this flock of geese flying around, and he thought, "Man, he's got to do something because the storm is bad that's coming and these geese will never make it." So some way, somehow, I've got to get them in my barn. So he would drop some uh, breadcrumbs, see if he can lure them down to eat the breadcrumbs and into the barn. Then he thought, you know, if I could only be a goose, where he could draw them in to safety. And then he happened to think about his goose. So he went in the barn, got his goose, and let him fly out there the goose took around went through the flock came back into the barn and one by one the geese started following and went in the barn and at that moment God opened his eyes that's why he sent Jesus the word was there the law was there but the law could not save but Jesus Christ came and became flesh and dwelt among us. He became one of us. Now we, one by one, can follow him into safety, from the terrible storm that's raging out here. What are we doing with our time? Do we see, do we even notice the sea of lost souls out there? That need, a safe haven? While we're shopping, while we're working, while we're, whatever we're doing, we're always mingling in with other people. Can they see something in us? Are we such a light and salt? Are we salty enough that they thirst for that living water? Is the kingdom of God our focus every day? How do we treat others? I'm not going to hide anything. It's embarrassing to say, but there was a time we would have guests. See, I like that fresh ground Colombian coffee. But when we would have guests, either they would get the Maxwell or we would maybe mix (laughs) because it made that go further. God showed me something. It was in Matthew 25 where when we stand before him then we ask, when did we see you th- in this way and that we served you or that we didn't? When were you that way and we didn't? Or when did we see you that and we served you? Then he said, And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So whenever I tried to get by cheap, I would have never served Jesus in that way. So I promise God that whenever we have company, whenever there's a guest or visitor or whatever, I want to serve the best because that's what I'm doing to Jesus. Because when, if we don't serve our best, we're actually wasting time. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What portion of my life is really going to last? It's sad to think of all the wasted years, the wasted time. But God sent his son to redeem us. And if we're faithful from here out, that time is forgotten. He no, he no longer holds that against us. Jesus Christ took care of that for us. We're free. But we're, what's very important is what we do with time now. You know, our birth date is important. And when we pass away, The ones we were very precious with can remember the date that we died. It's important to them. But when it comes to God, the real importance is that span between life and death. That's really what is important. What story are we writing? What are we doing with our time? Are we as good a steward with our time as we are with our money or whatever we have? And then in God's economy, which is most important? Are we pursuing? What has our what's our being? What are we pursuing on earth? Is it the things of this earth or the things in heaven? Cause Jesus said in Matthew six, Sermon on the Mount, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust doth corrupt, or where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This last line, the treasure, means a deposit, i.e. wealth. I'm sorry, I, I didn't put in the, uh, the Greek word. That's not a, an important thing anyway. So, where is our focus? What do we think on? The reason of asking those questions is the next word that I want to look at, and that is your heart. It's the thoughts or feelings. Where are my thoughts? And where, what really, it's actually our. Where our treasure is, that's what becomes our being. That's what we're going to pursue. So, why? I'll leave that question later. Paul instructs us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. See, so many times in my life my mind, my thoughts are in autopilot. I'm thinking, but I'm not even really thinking on what I'm thinking. If that makes sense. It's just, it's just there. And God is teaching me through Being more in an unhurried life is being intentional on what I'm thinking. You know, we're just, we're speed addicts. We're just going and going and going and our mind is going like that and we're, we're not really thinking what we're even thinking. And that's why we're not accomplishing what we should be accomplishing because we're not really thinking. So we need to slow down and put our manual and then taking every thought captive and we so when this thought comes that's in our mind of maybe whatever we want to do or whatever, say, or whatever it may be, the thought that comes, so we go, either we line it up with the word or we take it and take it captive to the Jesus Christ. Is this from you or is this from the enemy? Will this draw me closer to you? Is this the heart, your heart? That's how we do it. But if our mind is in autopilot, We aren't doing that. It's just going. To be more intentional of what my thoughts are. Because when I pay attention to what my what I'm actually thinking, I can discern the likely source of the thought. I can then decide whether I choose to act upon it or dismiss it. In Jeremiah, we like we like that first verse: "For I know the thoughts that I think toward you." See, this is when the children of Israel were taken captive in Babylon, <laughs> and He was just going to release them. It saith the Lord, "Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected, an expected end then shall ye call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and i will hearken unto you and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart you see we like that a hope and a future that he has for us but are we doing what he is asking us to be doing after this God has been working on on my heart now is the seeking. So the rest, we're going to be talking a little more on the seeking and why and what and whatever. Because we can be working and still be seeking God while we're working. See, in many places, I had to define my search because there were so many seeks that I had to g- do the Old Testament first and then the New Testament because there are so many seeking, seek, search. So, what are we seeking for? Should we not seek to know God more? What else should we be seeking in this life? Just to know Him more to love him more you see cuz the more we know god the more we know his will so the more we know his will the more we want to know god and it keeps going the cycle keeps going and we keep growing that's how we keep growing is the if we're not growing i'm afraid we're not seeking We're wasting our time because we should be seeking continually. We'll get to that yet. See, the seeking becomes the focus of life. We crave God. Hebrews 11, but without faith it is impossible to please him. I'd love to go into faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who Who diligently seek him. And this word meaning, uh, this word seek means crave. Who diligently crave him. How much do we crave God? Is what I had to ask myself. How much do I crave him? Or is it easy to slip out of bed and off to work I go? Or do I have such a crave that I want to get up early so I can spend time and seek God so that my thoughts are in the right mode, that I do have my thoughts in manual, so God can speak to me that day because I've got that connection? Do we have a godly appetite? Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. You know, this verse is not on the Christian smorgasbord, where, and that's not what the Bible is either, where we just page through and we just get what fits my appetite, and the rest we just leave there. This is a commandment of God, that we seek him continually, not just when it's convenient. We must take time For God. He doesn't want my leftovers. We all know the parable of the man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And how that dog, Samaritan, that's what they were considered dogs. How the priest and the Levite, they were the religious guys of the day, and they walked on by. Then this the Samaritan, the despised guy. So let's put it in 2014. See, God spoke to me that one morning. It was slippery, and this truck was in the field on its side. The men were outside. Everything was okay. Nobody was hurt. And I felt here, and I didn't feel my phone. So I kept on going. I thought, well, I can't really help. Got to work, and there was my phone. This is why didn't I feel it? but even then god just said why didn't you stop but what was driving me i'm going to be honest with you i'm not perfect i'm talking to myself that's where this message is coming from is i was too concerned that i'll be late for work so i kept on going so i'm not late for work i should not have worried about that and i should have stopped and done my christian duty to make sure These poor guys have helped. I failed. So here's my story. There was this lady traveling from Napanee to White Cloud, Michigan. She ran out of gas, and she stood there now this is not that she was beat or anything, she was just standing there needed with a jug of that needed gas. Along came a load of um Mennonite women going shopping, and they discern you know they discuss it and they said, "You know what? you know if we stop, that takes time away from shopping, and then we'll spend money to give her some of that gas, then that leaves less money for me to spend. Let's just go." Who knows if she really needs it anyway. They keep going. Along come these Mennonite pastors and their wives, and they're heading to the shack for their retreat. They're on vacation. But you know, we're running late. Supper is served at six, and if we stop... We're going to miss supper. So they keep going. Then along comes the town drunk in this dilapidated truck. He really has nothing going. So he stops, sees what's wrong. Then he said, no, just put your jug in the trunk. I'll tow you up there to the gas station. So he tows her up there, and he fills her tank with gas and takes the little money that he had left in his pocket and pays for that gas that he actually was saving so he could have one meal that day because he's living paycheck to paycheck. Not good because he's the town drunk, but yet he had time because he was not so busy. He had an unhurried life. We look down on these town drunks. And this uh, did not happen. But who would have ministered that day? Who would have been the good guy? And how many times do we drive right on by because we're just hauling it? We don't have time. Take time to spend time with the things of God and after he had said that parable he gave Jesus gave a commandment said go and do likewise how well am I doing? That's what I had to think of after I had bypassed that truck that was on its side. Go and do likewise. And I'd failed. I don't want you once thinking, I'm standing here telling you I've got it all under control. I don't. Let's take time to care. You know, we are so engrossed and sometimes our focus is on pleasure rather than on God. And that's what actually is part of the end times is their lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And that's talking about God's people. The world is that way. So, How well are we doing? How well am I doing? What's my focus? And we can, I'm convinced, we can play volleyball. We can play, do all these things and still be honoring God. We can be connecting with people. We can use that as a time to connect with people. There's nothing wrong with pleasure, but when that comes focus, that's when it's wrong. We're just focused on pleasure. Focus, and we'll, we'll put the godly things off to the side, on the back burner. That's when it's wrong. So why, why will the church become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God? Why? I don't know if I know the answer, but one thing that I sense would be true is there's way too much carnality that's left. We're not totally crucified with Christ. The flesh has not been totally crucified. We believe in the grace and then we just continue living in our old self instead of denying. If we want to follow him, we have to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow him. So why... This was an amazing... I never saw this verse in this way. Why is this land so chaotic? Why is the government in such a mess? You know, we hear Christians who are just grumbling about the uh, government. We, and they're, you know, how stupid they may be, or how, how senseless they make decisions. But you know, that's in the world. That's the world. Let's see what God says. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Why is the government the way it is? Does this not say. We need to look at ourselves. Is that not what it's saying? Then. Once we do all this, then I will listen. I'll hear from you. And I'll heal your land. But we also need to understand we're in heading into the end times. It's going to be this way. It's going to be corrupt. But should we not ask the Lord to search us, to show us, is there any wicked way in us? Are there things we need to repent? You see, Jesus was that perfect example of how to start a day. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. That's always where he got his strength. And even when, before he chose his twelve, he spent the night in prayer. How often have I in the last year taken time, and went in a place of solitude and just spent time praying. And I don't mean 15 minutes. I don't mean an hour. I mean maybe even a day. Can we do that? Can we stay focused enough on God that we can spend time alone with him for one hour or 3 hours or 1 day or a weekend where we just spend time alone with him doing nothing except maybe reading his word and just praying and just listening would that drive us nuts or would we be in such a comfort because we love him we crave him so much we we need that time where's my heart where's my focus Is it just a turmoil out there? I can't even sit for three hours quiet. How is my life? How is your life? I don't know how you are, but I need to work on it. What's important? When we find ourselves in the valley of doubt or fear, what do we do? Do we go running for the closet in prayer? Or do we fret and stew? What are we going to do? What's our first response? Should we not instantly go into prayer? It's the Father. The circumstance I am in is difficult and painful. I would not have chosen it, but you in your love and wisdom chose it for me. You intend it for my good, and so by faith I thank you for the good you are going to do in my life through it. Help me to genuinely believe this and be able to thank you from my heart. That's a little prayer I have on my desk. Through dark times. That's what lifts me up. By faith. The faith that I possess. I don't know the outcome, but I know who's holding it. I know who's holding that time. And it's all for my good. Do we take the time to be still and know that he is God? In closing, I want to share this little poem I found. In the quietness of prayer, there is strength for every burden. There is courage for each new day. There is hope for each tomorrow. There is help along the way. There is comfort in just trusting each new moment to his care and a real and blessed assurance in the quietness of prayer. Is that where we get our assurance for the day or for the trial, whatever it is? let's pray heavenly father I am so sorry have I wasted some of your precious time that you've given me and I commit to you father I want to be more intentional to serve you, to seek you continually so that I can be a true follower of you and that you are the pilot and not the co-pilot of my life. May I see the seriousness of time Oh, it's slipping. And what are we doing with it? Oh, help us, Father. By your Spirit. Change us. To be more like you. And that we follow you and do you. back void but that it fulfills what you want it to fulfilled and to accomplish that's my prayer Lord I want you to receive all the honor and glory it's you not me does Father keep each keep each one of us from the evil one that not one of us would be lost, but that all would come to know Jesus and be true followers. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.